Hello, I'm Major Adrian Allman. And I'm Captain Claire Allman. Welcome to the Birmingham Citadel Salvation Army podcast series. Birmingham Citadel is a Christian church located in Birmingham City Centre here in the UK. Each episode is a recording of the Bible message that would normally be shared during the Sunday worship service. While we are unable to meet together for worship, we will publish our podcasts at 10am every Sunday morning and you can also see daily videos on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. It's good to have you share with us and as you listen now we pray that God will speak to you. May you know God's abundant blessing today. I have a dream, Martin Luther King. I'll fight, William Booth. Freedom or die, Emmeline Pankhurst. We shall fight them on the beaches, Winston Churchill. I am prepared to die, Nelson Mandela. I ain't a woman, Sojourner's Truth. All speeches that have caught the attention of people and gone down in history. Across eras of calamity and peace in our world's history, a great many leaders and writers and politicians, theorists, scientists, activists and other revolutionaries have unveiled powerful, rousing speeches in their bids for change. Luke loves speeches and he treats us to Paul's first and only full-length sermon here in Acts 13. It's quite a speech. This man has changed the course of world history by the power of his ministry in the spirit of Christ. He did so by the preaching of the word of truth. And here we have a good example of how he did it. Paul had preached many messages before, but this is the first of which we have a record. It was an immensely powerful and shattering message. It was preached in a synagogue on a Sabbath morning and it shook a whole city, so much so that in verse 44 of this account we read, the next Sabbath almost the whole city gathered together to hear the word of the Lord. Whoa, the whole city. So I invite you to read Acts 13 verses 13 to 52 now. It's quite a lengthy reading, but I hope that you'll be really inspired by what Paul says in his speech just as those who were, that were around him when they heard it. So the speech seems to be divided nicely into three parts, each introduced by the word brothers. The first section is the preparation. And in this section, Paul reviewed the history of Israel, climaxing with the ministry of John the Baptist and the coming of their Messiah. He made it clear that it was God who was at work in and for Israel, preparing the way for the coming of the promised Messiah. He also reminded his hearers that the nation of Israel had not always been faithful to the Lord and the covenant, but had often rebelled. And then the second section is the declaration. As Paul addressed both the Jews and Gentiles in the congregation, he changed his approach from the third person, they, to the second person, you. He explained to them why their leaders in Jerusalem rejected and crucified the Messiah. It was not because they had not read or heard the message of the prophets, but because they did not understand the message. Furthermore, the crucifixion was not a surprise, but was a fulfilment of all that was written about the Christ. The crucial event, however, was the resurrection. Paul declared, but God raised him from the dead. 
And then Paul proceeded to prove this prediction from the Old Testament. And then this final section is the application. Paul told them that through faith in Jesus Christ, they could have two blessings that the law could never provide. Forgiveness of their sins and justification before the throne of God. The law could not justify the sinner. It could only condemn him. But in Jesus, God not only forgives us, but he is but he reveals to us the very righteousness of Christ. This was and is still good news. Paul closed his message saying that the wonderful work God wanted to do was to use the Jews to reach the Gentiles, for they were now also appointed for eternal life. Well, the reaction to Paul's sermon was wonderful. They asked him to speak again on the next Sabbath. By the time the next Sabbath arrived, the entire city heard of their message and almost the whole city gathered to hear them preach. As you might expect, this was very threatening to the Jewish establishment and they spoke abusively against what Paul was saying. Then Paul and Barnabas uttered these fateful words. We had to speak the word of God to you Jews first, but since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. While the Gentiles rejoiced and believed, but the Jews incited the leading men and women, stirring up persecution against Paul and Barnabas, thus expelling them from the region. So Paul and Barnabas shook the dust from their feet, as Jesus had commanded, and went on their way. Acts 13 ends saying, the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. I kind of have this view in my head of, you know, the ending of Morecambe and Wise show where they dance off into the sunset to the, to, to the song Bring Me Sunshine when I pictured this verse. So that was their experience during the first half of the missionary journey. And I want to ask ourselves, well, what lessons for our lives and ministry can we learn from their experience in Pisidian Antioch? Well, let me offer four lessons this morning. First of all, we learn the importance of being ready to simply share the good news about Jesus. When Paul and Barnabas arrived in Pisidian Antioch and joined the Jews in the synagogue, it says that they went into the synagogue and sat down. They were there simply to just be part of the congregation. But then the worship began. The synagogue ruler says to them, if you have a message for us, please go ahead and speak. In other words, would you like to preach? No way. No warning. Oh my goodness. Well, it reminds me of the story Lieutenant Colonel Ian Barr told about what happened one Sunday morning at a core he and Chris, his wife, were stationed at. That morning he was preaching, so Chris read the Bible. He then went on to preach a 15 to 20 minute sermon on that Bible reading. And as the family gathered over lunch afterwards, one of the girls made some comment about how she didn't think her dad was quite on par with his preaching, his usual preaching that morning. Ian went on to explain that it was because Chris had read the wrong Bible reading and he felt he needed to preach on what she had read rather than correct her or preach on something totally disconnected to what the Bible reading had been. Knowing Ian, it still would have been a very good preach, whatever. As someone who preaches regularly, I'm impressed by Ian doing this just off the hoof. And here's Paul doing it as well. No warning, just get up and preach it. He didn't know that he was going to get up and preach that day, but he was still prepared. Paul stayed prepared and actually this is the lesson. So should we. 
It's not about giving a 15 to 20 minute sermon or however long like that. But it is about us being able to share the good news, to give our testimony, to say what we believe and why we believe it and what God is doing in our lives. You know how years ago in the meetings they would they would used to do these how do you do testimony times where you'd give your testimony and then say how do you do such and such and name a person and they would then have to get up and give their testimonies well the thought of it might be enough to give some of you a heart attack but I guess it kept you on your toes and you were ready to say something we should always be ready to give an account of ourselves in this way Peter wrote Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason, for the hope you have. At one seminary, I read that they tell their students, be ready to preach, pray or die at any moment. Well, that's good advice for us all, isn't it? Paul preached and the response was overwhelming. I do believe what was true then is still true today. People are hungry for the word of God and for the gospel of Jesus, especially during this time. People have been searching for something to fill that void and cling on to. When we have an opportunity to share the good news, this encounter reminds me that we need to be ready to share it. Our experience will likely be like that of Paul's. Some chose to reject the message. Some were violently opposed to it. But everywhere he went, some were interested and became believers. Not every friend or co-worker or neighbourhood is going to be interested in what you've got to say, but some will be. Perhaps if we talk about it often enough, we'll find those who are interested in the good news. Perhaps our failure in this is not in how we present the message or the invitation we give, but that we simply don't present it enough or at all. I wonder how many times you've walked away from a conversation a bit sad or disappointed because you missed the opportunity. I know I have. So be ready to share the good news. The second life lesson here is there's a time to be bold and firm. In verse 46, it says, Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly. This week, um, as I took the girls to school, I saw the reception children starting school and it, it made me think back to, to Rosie and Katie and, and their first days at school. And in particular, I remember Rosie on her first day. She walked confidently up that path to the school gate and she said to the lady who was letting us in, Hello, my name is Rosie and this is my first day in school. She acted and spoke so boldly. In a situation which could, which could have well been very intimidating and, and scary, she just wasn't. She wasn't scared to speak up and say what needed to be said, what she felt needed to be said in that moment. There are times for us to be silent, for us to be diplomatic and gentle. And then there are times to be bold and firm. This is a powerful speech, but it's not easy words to give. And judging by the reaction, they weren't easy words to hear for some of them. They tell the truth about the Jews not recognising Jesus as the Messiah and being instrument in his crucifixion. They're having a crack at the law of Moses by saying that because of Jesus, his resurrection and his resurrection, that supersedes the Old Testament law. They tell them that everyone needs to hear this good news and become followers, including the Gentiles, not just the Jews. Whew. Not easy to hear and not easy to say. 
We may face situations where we must be bold and speak firmly, perhaps as we confront enemies of the truth. And when we do, we should look for God's guidance and then speak boldly the words of truth and leave the results to God. The results may not be as dramatic as what happened in here in this story, but God will honour our faith and the truth will accomplish what it can. The third lesson that we learn from this is that we need to persevere in our faith. A video that caught my attention on Facebook this week was of a nana baking cookies with her grandson Cade who is two years old. I am I really encourage you to go and try and look it up on the internet. This cute wee boy is there with his chef's hat and apron and every time Nana put an ingredient in the bowl, Cade would be right in there trying to eat what was in the bowl. First the butter, he was in there trying to eat that. The sugar, he was in there getting his paws in there. The, the flour, the eggs. He even had a go at the baking powder. She couldn't leave him alone with that bowl. She had to hold him back and move the bowl out of the way to try and stop him from eating the raw cooking ingredients while still trying to make these cookies and put the ingredients in the bowl. It was incredible and it's so hilarious to watch but it showed I think real perseverance actually on both their parts really this wee boy for just keeping on trying to get at what was in that bowl and the nana for trying to keep him away from what was in that bowl perseverance that idea of keeping at something even when it's so hard going or it it just doesn't seem to be going right some of the most successful people weren't successful because they were super smart or had an outstanding talent. They were successful because they persevered. They didn't let failure or negativity stop them from keeping on going. Steve Jobs, the inventor, the, the man who discovered, who put together, who started Apple, said, I'm convinced that about half of what separates the successful entrepreneurs from the non-successful ones is pure perseverance. Muhammad Ali said, it isn't the mountains ahead to climb that wear you down, it's the pebble in your shoe. Martin Luther King Jr. said, if you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, keep moving forward. And Charles Spurgeon said, by perseverance, the snail reached the ark. This preach from Paul in the missionary journey was an, an, an example of perseverance. Paul says to the people there, we had to speak the word of God to you first. Since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles, for this is what the Lord commanded. Paul and Barnabas here were here explain the story of their sharing of the gospel and their reasoning for moving beyond Jews to, to all who will listen. It's a reminder to persevere and not give up, to find a resolution and to move forward. They'd come to a stumbling block with the Jews because they didn't like the thought of sharing the good news with the Gentiles who were unclean. So Paul and Barnabas went and shared the news with the Gentiles anyway. They persevered and then in verse 49 it says, The word of the Lord spread through the whole region. It's like the and they all lived happily ever after statement at the end of a fairy tale. And it says to me they were successful in per their persevering. This was a message worth, worth 
persevering for. I wonder if the good news is worth persevering for you. When faced with stumbling blocks and difficult situations, with cynical people not wanting to believe in your God, when faced with fear and worry about what people might say, when faced with your own questions and doubts about your faith and God, what do you do? Do you give up? Paul here is a great testament to persevering and he reminds us in his letter to the Philippians to press on towards the goal, to persevere because it's worth it. You'll get your fairy tale ending and they all lived happily ever after. And then one final thing we learn is the importance of joy in all of this. Verse 52 says that the disciples were filled with joy. Who are the disciples who are filled with joy? Are they the new converts in Pisidian Antioch? Or were they Paul and Barnabas? Or were they both? We don't know for sure. But I would hope that they were both filled with their joy. The new disciples had found salvation in Jesus. Their sins were removed. They were at peace with God. And they now had an eternal purpose. Don't you think that would lead to joy? Although Paul and Barnabas had just been kicked out of a region, it wasn't because they were criminals. It was because they had effectively preached the gospel and too many people became believers. Can you have too many people? I don't think so. Certainly, they had the joy of knowing they had done their job. They had been faithful and now that they had new brothers and sisters in Christ in that region. There's no greater joy than knowing the salvation of the Lord and sharing it with others towards the end of Paul's life he put that kind of joy into words in these ways to the Thessalonians Paul wrote for what is our hope our joy or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes back is it not you indeed you are our glory and our joy sharing the good news with others and seeing them develop in their relationship with the Lord is a joy that is amazing and it brings a real buzz. Don't miss out on that. And so despite the opposition, they left Pisidian Antioch, dancing off into the sunset and maybe even singing a bit of bring me sunshine as they went. So let's be like Paul and Barnabas. Let's be ready to share the good news when the opportunity presents itself. Let's be firm and bold and speak words of God's truth when necessary. Let's persevere when difficulties arise. And let's be filled with joy. We can have joy because of our salvation and because we get to help others be saved and nurture the relationship with God. We are grateful that he took our cross and gave us a crown and we can live in freedom and fullness with him. As you listen to our songsters singing this song, Cross for a Crown, rejoice like those disciples in this good news and perhaps be a little bit more determined even to share that good news in these days to come. So let's listen and then I'll pray together.
story that you traded my cross for a crown which means I am forgiven and I can live in freedom and fullness help me not to forget that great gift and help me to share the good news when you direct me to Lord you call us to be your light in the darkness your voice in the wilderness your hope in the hopeless for the hopeless you give us strength in our weakness peace and gentleness words and boldness to proclaim more of you and less of us. Lord, may it be so. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. So you don't miss any further recordings, please subscribe to this podcast and also share and review it to help other people find and join our Birmingham Citadel online congregation. This has been a production for Birmingham Citadel Salvation Army in the United Kingdom. If you'd like to know more about us or want to worship with us, then visit our webpage at birminghamcitadel.co.uk.